If you want to try alcohol-free drinks, but you're unsure where to start, Club Soda can help you make better choices. And to make things even easier, we've launched some new subscription boxes so you can get amazing drinks delivered straight to your door. Try our Discovery Box with our pick of the best alcohol-free drinks around. It's packed with seasonal specials, new releases and some old favourites. And if you love wine, try our Wine Club Box. You can explore the best alcohol-free wines and wine alternatives. With each box, you'll also get an invite to a monthly online live tasting so you can learn more about each drink and we can try these drinks together. So what are you waiting for? Buy the box, drink the box. Cheers. Hello. Hello, everybody. We are here for the Alcohol and Creativity Mindful Drinking Festival panel discussion. Um, I'm Liz, and you can see we've got four other awesome folk come to join us to have this chat about alcohol and creativity. So hi, everybody. Thanks very much for joining us. (laughs) So first of all, I'm going to introduce everybody so we know who everyone is. So first of all, uh, Janet Devlin we have who on my screen anyway is just down there below me um so to say about janet janet um rose to fame on x factor in 2011 um i i was there cheering you on janet um and she's been she's been making music ever since and she quit alcohol because it was taking a serious toll on her life and her creativity which we may hear a bit more about in a bit and her recent album confessional uh, which has an accompanying book, um, also charts her journey into sobriety. And then we also have Sharon, Sharon Walters, who is an award-winning mixed media artist from London. She creates handmade collages featuring women of African descent. And uh, your most recent series of pieces, um, Sharon, which is called Seeing Ourselves, I understand the self-portrait, is that the one that's behind you at the moment, is on exhibition today? Yeah, it's on exhibition yeah. today. It's um, the first time it's being sold. Yeah. It's an edition of five. So, yeah. Fantastic. So that, that's amazing. Really gorgeous. And you quit alcohol 18 months ago, right? I did. Yeah. Okay, great. So, and then we have Ill Tone, uh, aka Chris. Um, and Chris is a Canadian hip hop artist from Vancouver Island. Um, Chris writes and produces his own records and you can check them out on Spotify, which you should because they're wicked. Um, Chris talks about his struggles in his music with alcohol um, and he gave up 15 months ago. And last but not least, of course, is Katash, who is a model and DJ and fitness instructor. And Katash also has her own clothing range, which is called Who's Jarden Again? And she gave up alcohol two years ago. So, hello everybody. Okay, so I think, and oh, and I'm Liz, by the way. I'm I'm a songwriter and a producer, and I write about alcohol on my blog, The Alcohol Spell. So um, we're going to talk about alcohol and creativity because obviously everybody here is a professional creative. We've all given up alcohol, and I guess we share a lot of in common as to why we gave up alcohol. But let's get into that now. Let's start with you, Janet. What? Do you think, in what way was alcohol harming your creativity, do you think? Oh, gosh, in lots of ways. So basically, it got to the point where I had to cancel all my writing sessions because I was not trusted to turn up without being drunk or hungover. Um, So basically, uh, it stopped me from that part of my life. Uh, I also just stopped writing 
um, because I just, I just didn't want to exist. So I didn't want to write anything. Um, so it just, it just took all of my ability to write away from me, essentially. Yeah. There's a lot of, lot of other people nodding here at the, at the sort of hungover, either hungover or drunk <laughs> sort of can- cancelling sessions. Katash, you were sort of nodding at that. Is that something that you identify with as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, being a DJ, sometimes you turn up for a set. Your set's supposed to probably be the opening set at 12 or maybe the set after the DJ performs and then the DJ runs late. So then you run late. No, alcohol, I think, catches up. So drink by drink, it catches up. So if you start drinking early, thinking that your set's going to be at 12, you might be fine. By the time you actually do your set, you're going to be drunk. And trying to time <laughs> while you're you're drunk is not the one. First of all, it impairs your vision, so you can't even see that well. So definitely. Yeah. So, and it's that kind of thing of not really showing up, isn't it? So you're there, but you're not really there. I think that's something that, you know, we all, especially if you're hung over. You're not putting your best forward. Yeah, you can't, can you? Uh, What about you, Chris? Is that sort of, does that ring bells for you too? Definitely ring some bells. I remember trying to play the timing game so I can have a certain number of drinks before I hop up on stage and I could never hold myself to that limit. Once I start, I can't stop and uh, many, many performances were ruined by my inability to control my uh, drinking patterns. So I'd get up, you know, 10, 15 drinks deep and uh, totally bomb my set in not a good way and uh, feel embarrassed afterwards and uh, have to get up and make up some, you know, uh, BS lie about why I had, uh, you know, uh, why I was unable to perform the night before. And um, it put me on bad terms with promoters and uh, booking agents and other artists within the community, um, uh, the hip hop community where I'm from. And I just didn't want to do that anymore. Uh, eventually, I couldn't handle the workload either, just as uh, Janet was saying, like, uh, you know, I, I manage myself as an artist. I produce my own songs. I engineer them. I write them. And, uh, you know, all those things throughout the day that have to uh, align for me to be successful at what I do. I could no longer uh, handle the workload and the, the amount of tasks that I had to complete throughout the day. So uh, yeah. basically every facet of it was ruined by by my alcoholism. I, I really, I really hear that actually. Uh, and something that Sharon said to me, uh, we were talking the other day about this, uh, was just Sharon, how how much creativity, how, how much more productive you've been since yeah. you've given up. And, you know, that's what Chris is just saying, you know, as an artist, when you're doing so much yourself, you, you kind of don't have the time when you're also drinking, do you? I before um, making the series, I wasn't really creating at all. So um, I am a mum of two. I was focusing on being a mum and I was also working for a museum and coordinating community engagement programs. But my my life wasn't really creative in the way I've always wanted it to be. So it was I feel as though something lifted once I stopped drinking. And I was able to see things a lot more clearly. So within the last two and a half years, I've created over 250 collages and had a number of exhibitions and talks and workshops. And things have just really changed since sobriety. Yeah, amazing. I think it's that sort of thing also of the regret and the shame of, you know, having to explain to to everybody why you're late or why you're not there and just the anxiety. Do we all, you know, who wants to talk on that sort of subject of anxiety and with with alcohol? Anyone want to pick that one up? 
Yeah, so um, I'll tackle that one there, Liz. So uh, social anxiety is something that has been prominent in my life since I was uh, all, th- all throughout youth, uh, going through school, uh, going into my early 20s. And um, I used to think that uh, alcohol would make me this outgoing person that I'd, you know, I wouldn't uh, fear judgment. I wouldn't worry about what people thought of me. Uh, as uh, time went on, the scale tipped in the other direction. So uh, that thing that made me alcohol, that made me so outgoing, uh, was the source of all my dismay when the next morning I, w- I had to wake up and wonder what I said to somebody, uh, you know, if I bombed that show the night before, uh, how many people saw it, are people going to be talking about it on social media, uh, became the source of my social anxiety. So rather than being uh, the substance that I used to curb that feeling, uh, it became the source of it. And so I just didn't want to go through that anymore. Yeah. It's that negative feedback loop, isn't it? That sort of downward spiral that I think a lot of people can relate to. Janet, how was that sort of, how did that impact your sort of performing? I mean, if if you were drinking and hung over, how, how was that for you singing? Um, well, for me, I, even in the midst of my alcoholism, because I, I am an alcoholic, I'm not, um, I'm very envious of people who are just like, you know, just living a sober life, but no, I, I I don't have a choice. Like I have to be sober. But, um, for me, I never went on stage drunk, um, because I learned my lesson really young that, uh, when I sing, I sound like a bad X Factor edition, as it was told to me many, many times, it's like, you just can't sing drunk. So I was like, okay. I'm never going to do that. But the minute I step off that stage, I'm going to get obliterated mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can't wait. And I would just be so excited to finish a show to smash drinks. And I think yeah. I obviously got away with it for so long because it feels part and parcel of the job where it's like, of course, I, I'm in my teenage years. I'm on tour. Um I was very lucky touring with people who weren't addicts or alcoholics, but just liked to drink. So uh, we pushed that boundary and we created drinking songs and we drank all the time. Um, so I was living in an environment that was, wasn't helping, but I was creating that because I was the artist and I was leading the band. So it was like, I was the person who set the bar as to how much we drank for a tour. Right. Uh, so yeah, it was yeah. not not the one <laughs> yeah and it and it just kind of gets it kind of gets out of control it seems to be a very sort of music industry uh thing uh mm. but also uh creative the idea that um addiction and suffering goes hand in hand with creativity um katasha i know that you were sort of uh you said this about club culture as well obviously it's a big it's a big drinking place isn't it yeah, like um, I feel like what we as kind of creatives overlook, um, what Ilton had mentioned is that we need to, I guess, be at our, I guess, our A game all the time to network because um, you never mm-hmm. know who you might be speaking to next, like who is the next promoter or whatnot. And I recognize when I was sober amongst like a lot of drunk people, I kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. I don't know if like when people are drunk, they could sense like when someone's sober. So they come talk to you or, you know, they, they do funny antics around you or, or whatnot. But it's about having a good balance. Like, I don't feel like my creativity has been um, has suffered as a result of me not drinking anymore. I feel like it has improved even like I have better conversations I have the next day with my friends. I feel more in control of myself. Like I do get the opposite, like ill tone. Like when I'm drunk, I get really quiet when I'm sober. Like I'm like, yeah, life party, like let's do right. do more. So definitely. 
That's interesting, so, isn't it? It's it's kind of a, 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 the other way around from what a lot of people experience. They sort of consider that if they're if you're drinking, that you can be more yourself. But actually, for those of us who don't drink anymore, I think it's fair to say most people I speak to who don't drink anymore say, actually, I'm now more myself than I've ever been. So, yeah. Sharon, how has the because when we were talking before, um, we talked about this idea that alcohol and creativity go in ha- hand in hand. And you were one of the few people that I've spoken to who said, actually, you never had thought that it was helping. It was just something that you sort of did out of a habit. Yeah, I never, ever thought it was um, helping. I um, I think because I, I spent how many years, gosh, seven years at art college. Mm. Um, and so I focused on art college. But I think going back to what Katash was talking about, about club culture, um, I was really into clubs for a really long time. So I think that's where the habit started. I absolutely loved clubbing. I loved house music. I still do. <laughs> yeah, good. Me um, too. But it, the two kind of went hand in hand, you know, drinking and partying and staying up. And But I never really connected alcohol with my creativity. I think, well, definitely since I've stopped drinking, creativity has soared. My confidence has soared. Yeah. Um, my kind of view on myself and how I feel, my relationships with other people, with my family, with friends, everything's changed completely. And I don't feel as though I'm that same person as I was before. Mm. But I don't actually have a bad relationship with that person who I was before. Well, <laughs> I know, mean, it's that's just part that's of who I, who I was. Yeah, it's it's not about looking back and hopefully no. regretting, um, but just going. Well, that's the journey that I that I've been on, and I'm still on a new. I'm on a journey still, sort of. Thing. Yeah. So that kind of leads us on nicely to how it has helped us all to give up alcohol. Um, how how Janet? How has it really sort of like pushed your creator, your music forward? Not drinking. Um, the difference is is incomparable. Like I am able to be present. I'm able to be there in the room, especially performing live. I am present, and as well, like. I used to think that to make art, I had to be in pain. I had to be suffering actively to create that art. And that is the biggest lie I've ever told myself. Because when I quit, I was able to tap into this well of emotion that I put myself through in the past, all these horrible feelings. And I can now, as a sober, happy person, go, okay, let's let's go to the dark place that we used to be in and... Mm. The beauty is I can close that door. I don't have to live in that sadness. And whoever came up with that stereotype of like to be an artist, you have to be sad or to be creative. You have to be sad and suffering. I wish I could sit them down and say, do you know what you did? Do you know what you did? Because you messed this up for so many people. But it's, you live and learn. It's true. It's so true. It's, it's kind of, it's an excuse mechanism, isn't it? It's, an, it's yeah. a story that, it's one of the stories we tell ourselves and it's just kind of actually, don't you think it suited, you know, anyone who was drinking a lot to say, oh, it's my process. You know, yeah, I have to, I have to do it. It's my process. It just suits that, doesn't it? It's not, it's, as you say, it's a lie. Oh, That's absolutely. So we buy but, like, into I it. couldn't even claim that lie because at least people who've had like, like massive chart success or something and they go oh this is my process I, I i have to do this to get a number one never had a number one i don't have that excuse <laughs> it's funny you say that though because when i was at art college they actually told me that my work was too happy at one point really I was, yeah i was literally told that because the work was so positive there was a particular piece i created and because it was so positive and this was only how many years ago 
about 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Um, because it was so happy, they said it it showed that there was a really dark side. That's and that's weird, I need it? it's really weird, and I had to explore that side. No one wanted to see the positive stuff, and that's why now I'm really happy that I've got control of what I create, mm. and I'll make stuff that's happy if I want to. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, right. It's, it's that weird connection that everyone has. Chris, what, what do you, what's your take on this? Well, I uh, I kind of agree with uh, Janet there. I don't have to be stuck in that uh, that place of darkness. So uh, a lot of my last uh, album that I released was centered around uh, my struggles with alcoholism and uh, chemical dependency. And um, when I sat down to start writing after you know a, a year of uh, sobriety. I noticed that um, a lot of the old pieces of me had come back. So my sense of humor was back when I uh, used to write when I was in my, you know, teenage years, um, I would write a lot of funny stuff. So I incorporate humor into my lyricism and uh, that side of me was kind of back. So it wasn't just all, um, you know, uh, written from a, a, a place of darkness. It was um, it was written from a place of, of hope as well. And so um, that was uh, one side of me that came back into the fold and, um, also, I just have more time and more focus uh, placed upon my ar- artistry uh, rather than time spent on, you know, hiding the fact that I was a harrowed alcoholic. Um, so I didn't have to spend half my day on my alcoholism and my routines and rituals surrounding uh, said alcoholism uh, was now time to sit down and focus on on the actual music part of it. Um, so it wasn't just uh you know, finding an hour here and there to try to like, you know, pound out some writing about whatever was on my mind that day, which was whatever depressing subject I was thinking about. Um, I could actually sit down and get right into it, right into the creative state and uh, right from a from a place of happiness. And uh, for the record, Sharon, there's no such thing as being too happy or making art that's too happy. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Gosh, it's yeah. so damaging, those kinds of messages, though. They really are. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Kat, Ash, did you want to come in on that? School, like, yeah, just, just school. Like, um, I did biochemistry at university and, and obviously now I've taken a 360 turn, but the ridiculousness, like I was told at school and it's almost like we are the teachers. So this is what you do. And this is what you say. And then you get older and you realize actually your teacher friends are the ones who drink the most, who probably not all, but take the most drugs. And then they go into school and they're coming to tell you what to do the next day. It's like, excuse kind of thing. But anyway, going back on topic, how it's helped me is first of all, I think this is one that we all overlook is my skin was way better. Like when I drank, Mm -hmm. I used to get like little, little buttons all over my skin. So that, that was one positive. Um, I recognize a lot with the drinking, like if I was upset about something, and I thought, okay, let me drink to forget about it. The next day when I'm sober, trust me, it's coming back. So it doesn't help get over anything that you're experiencing in the past. It's still going to be there the next day. And I also wanted to say that, oh, yeah, with drinking as well, you lose so many days like trying to get sober because even after the next day when you eat your greasy hamburger or whatever, your fries to soak up the alcohol, you still aren't back to the full cognitive state that you need to be to be present and focused on your craft or whatever you're doing in life. So. Yeah, I think that's a really key point. I sort of liken it to um, having a tooth, having a filling. You go to the dentist and they have to, you know, numb so that they can drill in your tooth, but they don't just numb that bit. Your whole face goes numb and you're sort of dribbling and you're, t- you're you know, like this. And that's alcohol. You know, it, you can have a night, but it's not just that night. It's the next morning, possibly the day after that as well. So it does actually affect so much more, doesn't it, than just that hour of drinking. Mm-hmm. Some 
um, just coming to the comments, somebody's saying here um, that uh, he or she, it does, I'm not sure who it is, uh, I drink and design most of my patterns whilst drinking for the creative process, but when having to actually do the technical stuff, I have to be straight. However, doing meditation, I'm slowly learning how to design without alcohol. And that's really interesting because I think that was something that I believed that I needed to get myself going with the drink. And I also meditate now in a way that I didn't before. Does anyone else sort of, you know, meditate or any of that sort of thing to help their creative process or yoga or anything like that? Go ahead. It'll try. No. Um, Chris, sorry, I saw you taking that one. <laughs> uh, it's okay. After you. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. I was just going to say, I think with the whole, uh, drinking, bringing out creativity thing. It's, it's as all of us have kind of agreed on, it's something that we've been force fed that isn't true. Um, mm. I genuinely believe like understanding like marketing and everything, these big artists that say that they have a number one because they've drank, it's probably they're pushing a certain alcohol brand. It probably isn't true, mm. but you know what I mean? Yeah. There's definitely that kind of branding thing oh, going on. There. Exactly. So I, I wouldn't take their word for it. It's basically a End over matter thing. Like if you tell mm. yourself every day for 21 days that you're great, you're going to start believing it. You're going to move in like that. You're going to start adopting it. 21 days to make a habit, right? So if you tell yourself, like, I need to drink to be creative, then you're going to start believing it. You're going to start mm. being dependent on the alcohol. So it's mind over matter for me. I don't think it's necessary. Mm. Hey. Yeah. I think so too. I think, I think the sort of meditation side of things. So, um, I meditate every day and I do yoga now and I never did that before when I was drinking as a drinker I had never considered that and I think that for me it's giving me space in my brain so I'm sort of switching off all the thinking and that sort of stuff and that's definitely how I saw alcohol I used to see alcohol as something that would switch off all of the stuff that I thought was extra that I didn't need so that I could just focus on the songwriting um and that's you know that's obviously now I realize that that really wasn't necessary that actually I could create that space without alcohol. So Christine, we've got our first wine tasting happening on the 28th of June as part of our brand new wine club. Uh, why are we doing this? There isn't any good wine, right? Well, there didn't used to be, uh, but now there really is. It's got so exciting. Um, I can't wait to taste some of the new things coming out, but I think, uh, trying some of the great new products and uh, looking at how they work as wines and also some of the things that are not quite alcohol-free wine but work in the same way. Yeah, because we've uh, definitely got on the next list Binary Botanical, which is actually described as the beer for wine lovers. So that will be interesting for people to have a go at. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I think the wine world is in for a shock, actually, that there are quite a lot of products out there which uh, are going to work for wine drinkers better than some wines do. Yeah, and I think uh, we'll be able to bring all of those along with some wines. And I think in our first box, we've got a red, a white, um, a rosé, and then we've got something. It's a bit like our wild card, isn't it? I get excited about those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, well, I, I, I think... There are going to be some surprises uh, because things have moved on tremendously in the last year or so. 
And there are some really delicious products there. And actually, some of the, you know, the wine producers are starting to catch up. Um, but it's, you know, it's very difficult to take the alcohol out of the wine and make it taste great. So I think some of these new products that we're going to be trying are really raising the stakes for the wine producers. So it's going to be a very interesting journey. So um, I'm doing the tasting with you, Christine, because I'm a, a wine novice and I don't know very much. So I'm going to ask all the questions that our listeners will want to hear the answers to. But why are you an expert, Christine? Well, I uh, I was, a, if you like, a wine expert. I was a, a wine buyer, head of uh, wine for an international restaurant company for um, 18 years. And... I did a huge project on non-alcoholic drinks a few years ago to try and make them available in our in our restaurants. And it was a bit of a shock when I realized what the situation was with wine. And it's been a, a mission of mine ever since to find the good stuff to go in my wine glass. So uh, I'm determined to prove that there are some drinks that you'd really want to have and have with food and you know, pop pop the cork on and enjoy. Absolutely. And and people won't know how thrilled I am that you agreed to do this wine tasting session with me. I feel <laughs> very privileged and very honoured. And I know that everyone's going to get some great tips and advice and uh, from you. And we're going to be able to raise the game for alcohol-free wine in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> so if anyone wants to join us, you can buy the box now from Wise Bartender on subscription for our monthly wine club. It's just $29.99 a month for the box. And our first tasting is on the 28th of June at 7 p.m. But even if you can't come along to live t- tasting, you'll be able to watch it again. So if you go to Wise Bartender or you just go to joinclubsoda.com forward slash event, you'll be able to see everything and order your box and sign up for the event so so what do we kind of advise to people who are using alcohol as part of their creative process and maybe recognize it isn't that useful you know what, what would you say to those people Sharon what would you say to somebody who was maybe thinking about giving up I'd say you can do it without alcohol and to just give yourself a chance just try even if it's just for a few days to start off with um, I remember when I wasn't creating at all, I would just um, I would just give myself maybe 15 minutes of creativity a day just to get myself started. And then that built up to being, I remember at one point I was working on stuff after work for up to six hours in the evening every night. And I just realized that I was filling my time, the time that I would have been having a drink or two or three. Um, I was filling um, that time with alcohol when I could have been creating and I just thought I never ever had the time to do it but I think quite often we can stand in our own way I know it's a bit of a cliche but I do believe that can happen and I feel that I stood in my own way for a really long time Mm. I'm glad I've pushed the alcohol aside and I'm doing what I've always wanted to to do. In what way do you think that we stand in our own way what's the sort of what are the actual manifestations of that? I think thinking that you don't have enough time. So I, I I thought that I couldn't create because I didn't have an artist studio. You know, I kind of envisaged that I would one day have this amazing studio and I now have that studio. This is what I'm sitting in and it's in my own house. 
And I kind of was thinking, oh, I don't have a studio. I don't have this space where I have to pay monthly. I don't, uh, I can't because I've got two children and I'm really busy. I can't create because I work at a museum and I'm super busy with that. I've got all these other things. I want to socialize with my friends and I want, want to go out. There were so many reasons why I couldn't do what I've always wanted to do. And now yeah. I'm doing it. So yeah. my advice is to um, to give yourself a chance to really um, to see the ways that you can create the life that you actually want. Yeah. But maybe not in the ways that you're always imagining. Those 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 ways are right here, I think, sometimes. Yeah. It's the excuses, the the sort of stories we tell ourselves. It goes back yeah. to that excuse again. What other excuses have people told themselves about why they can't do what they want to do? Because I'm just, well, I haven't got this or I haven't got that. And actually, it's easier just to have a drink. Anyone else kind of relate to that sort of that idea, that way of thinking? Janet? I think it's more when I hear people say, oh, I'd love to write. I'd love to be in the studio. Or I'd love to do that. Or I'd love to even just do poems. And I'm, I'm like, they're like, oh, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. I've, uh, my time's fully occupied. And I'm like, excuse me, were you out on Friday night? <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure you drank enough to take yourself out for not only Saturday, but Sunday too. <laughs> so that's, that's some good time that you didn't have. But yeah, that's a good that's a good 24 hours right there, isn't it? Yeah, that it's, yeah. but as well, like, I feel like, well, I think more so, not everyone has an issue with alcohol. And, and I think it's more so when it comes down to it, it's really just asking yourself, why is alcohol a part of your creative process? Is it negatively impacting your negative or your creative process? It's really trying to sit down and be honest with yourself and your answers, mm. you know, because it's not quitting's not for everybody. And I understand that. And I feel like, you know, in recovery, sometimes I feel like I'm perpetuating this, like I don't drink, so you shouldn't. But <laughs> yeah, I think most people who quit alcohol, even for a short period of time, because maybe you just have a project that might take you three months, you know, quit for the three months, see how you feel. You'll notice you have your weekends back. You'll notice you have time. So you'll also get to create all the art that you want to make, but also have some people time. Because yeah. I feel like we use all of our spare time as artists and then don't have any time for ourselves. Mm. Whereas I feel when you remove alcohol, you're actually having some real one-on-one time. Now, yeah. I'm going to drink and avoid myself, my problems and everything that's going on in my life. And then we're just going to float on by. Yeah, it's, it's so true. It's scheduling that time for yourself, actually. I think I personally feel that's quite a good good way to be. But yeah, time as a sort of no time as an excuse for not creating is, is not really. It's just that it's an excuse. I think you said to me the other day, Janet, that we've all got the same amount of hours as Beyonce's got. So, you know, no excuse. So um, anyone else want to sort of talk on this kind of like the excuses we tell ourselves as to why we can't just get down to it? Yeah, it annoys me. <laughs> oh, yeah, the absolute, uh, the, the amount of time that I've poured into my alcoholism. I mean, it's enough, it's enough time to create a million albums, you know, front to back. And uh, yeah, I would make every excuse in the book too, just like Sharon, I... I need more equipment. Uh, I can't afford it right now. Meanwhile, I'm going to the liquor store and pouring my money into, you know, my my disease. And um, uh, like Janet, I should say, um, I'm also I also identify as an alcoholic and um, go to, you know, AA meetings and uh, consider myself to be in recovery. Um, But the amount of time that 
I poured into my my illness there. You know, uh, it's just harrowing to say the least. Um, so I would make up those excuses as well. Oh, you know, this album just took me six months to a year to make, but um, like, oh, whoa, it's me. But how much of that six months to a year was I actually drinking and partying for? Um, yeah, it would be, you know, not only Friday night, but I'd continue right into Saturday night and then, you know, take Sunday and Monday to recover and uh, shirk all work related endeavors uh, for that time for that period of time as well. Um, so there's always time. I mean, we can make time. Uh, it's just uh, a question of balance, which can be uh, very tough. You know, I, I keep up keep a pretty regimented schedule now. And that's important for me to do uh, being in recovery. It is something that I recommend um, if you are trying to cut it out uh, completely. Um, just yeah. make, you know, point form lists and stick to them and uh, don't have, you know, alcohol on that list. Yeah. And I think you said that, that, that kind of you have a list of things that you tick off that you make sure you get done and you're actually being, you're taking responsibility for your own time. And I Absolutely. think that's a very big part of, of getting stuff done, right? Um, somebody has commented here um, about asking that they would be interested to know about why everyone's given up alcohol. Was it necessity or choice? Janet and Chris have just sort of spoken on that a little bit there. Um, Sharon, for you, did you feel that you had to give up alcohol or you just really wanted to see what happened? I don't, I didn't feel as though I needed to give up alcohol. Um, I don't know if that's a bit of a silly um, kind of reflection or not, but I Basically, what had happened was I went into a really strict regime of learning to run from 0 to 10K within four months. And I remember the woman who was training me, she said to me, you know, we're going to we're going to work out. We're going to exercise on Saturday. We're going to have a session on Saturday. And I was like, oh, no, I can't do Saturday morning because I'll be hungover. And I rarely talk about this so openly. But and she said to me, um, but you realize you don't have to be hungover. And I was like kind of looking at her like, what are you talking about? It's Friday night, <laughs> it's Saturday morning. Um, and so if you, I think about it that way, yes, I probably had to give up. But what had happened is over that period of time, I cut down alcohol massively because of her amazing influence and because she was the only person I knew that didn't really drink. And I um, And eventually I just stopped completely because every time I eventually did take a sip of alcohol, I started getting really, really bad headaches, like really bad from the back to the front of my head. My body was just going, actually, you've had enough now, Sharon. It's time to give up. So I um, so eventually I gave up. Um, So I I didn't go into like a, a recovery program or anything like that. I gradually cut down and then stopped drinking altogether. But drinking was a massive part of who I was, massive part of my identity. My socialising revolved around drinking and meeting up with friends and and what we called Fizzy Fridays where we'd drink um, after the school pickup. Um, And then we would drink right the way through. And we were quite well known in our little group of friends for doing that. And it wasn't seen as something to look down on. But now I'm really glad that's not part of my life because... Ultimately, it is a problem whether I want to admit it all the time or not. Yeah, there's different. These these problems come in different shapes and sizes, don't they? Mm. And uh, it's not always that clear to us at first. But often looking back, I think you can go, ah, oh, that was a bit of a problem. Yeah. How and about ki- you? Ca- yeah, sorry, sorry. Carry, carry on, Sharon. No, I was just going to say very quickly and kind of that um, that idea of having a drink to celebrate, but also having a drink because you're sad. But just basically always having a drink. Yeah. Because there's always a reason to have that drink. And now I can see that actually 
I don't need a drink to celebrate. I can have a drink. I have non-alcoholic cocktails all the time. My son makes them. But I am... But yeah, it's just a different mindset, really. It's a different approach to life. Yeah, yeah. Katash, how about you? What was your sort of, was it a necessary thing or something you just thought you'd try? Um, first of all, sorry, Sharon. Oh my gosh, a son that makes you non-alcoholic cocktails. Can I know, right? like, Can I babysit? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I saw you drinking. I was like, mm, girl, Ribena in a glass looking fancy. No, it's not Ribena. Oh, it's not Ribena. It's really good. I'll t- it's we'll talk lockdown. after. <laughs> Okay, no worries. Um, yeah, so what <laughs> happened with me was that uh, university ended and I was just kind of in this limbo of like, where do I go? What do I do with my life? So I actually stopped seeing friends for a bit. And then when I did reconnect with my friends, it was like, so I, I stopped wanting to drink like by myself because during university, like every Friday I would be like, okay, like, let me buy a cider. And then I was gaining weight because of the cider and stuff. After university, I got into the fitness and everything because I hadn't seen my friends. Alcohol wasn't like a social norm anymore. So then when I did pick back up with my friends, I realized like getting drunk and stuff wasn't fun anymore. Like um, there's always something happening, some drama, like we have to stop the party to go look for some person. So it was just kind of eliminating that. Then I had my grandmother on the other hand, like my grandmother and I are now getting like really close and I look up to her in a way, but she's like old and she doesn't really have anything to do when the day comes. So at six o'clock in the morning, when she wakes up, she's just drinking until she gets drunk and then she knocks herself out. And then I just have that as another reminder, like, OK, you don't want to be like that. And there were so many examples and and things like that that were just telling me it's like, you know, when you see that 11, 11 on your clock or your watch or whatever. And it's like, OK, the universe is telling me something like maybe just cut the alcohol out. So I kind of yeah. dipped into it and then I just kept it and I'm I'm okay with being the responsible friend on nights out who kind of makes sure that makes sure that everyone gets home safe and everything. I'm fine with that. So yeah. the tante, as they call me, the old lady, <laughs> tante. <laughs> it's quite it's quite a novel feeling, isn't it? When you've not been you've never been responsible to suddenly be the one who actually gets everyone home. It's it's quite yeah. nice. I like it now. So another qu- a comment we've got here, which is a really good point, actually. Um, Someone saying, would love to hear how people manage being in alcohol-centred music venues and alcohol-sponsored music events. So, you know, for everyone here, possibly apart from Sharon, or maybe Sharon as well, you've had alcohol-sponsored events that you've been part of. Um, how, do we, how do we handle that? Do you have a kind of like anti-alcohol sponsorship stance or are you kind of laid back about that? Anyone want to chip in on that? So I was at, uh, I had a performance last night actually uh, with uh, COVID restrictions in place, mind you. So it was a new ball game on that front, uh, walking into a uh, a bar and having to socially distance from people and having everybody sitting in booths. So that was already odd enough. But uh, it was my first time back in the uh, the bar scene since um, since sobering up. And uh, one thing I, I, I used to face as an issue was that I would use alcohol as a crush, uh, a crutch, sorry. Uh, so when I was uh, going throughout my night, anytime I got nervous, I would take a sip um, or, you know, uh, slam a beer or uh, that became a huge part of my persona as well. As I think Sharon was uh, touching on earlier, it was a big part of my lifestyle and my my image that I uh, projected to others. Uh, so last night I just kept a kept a water bottle with me. And every time that I uh, felt that urge, I just took a sip of water instead. You know, um, it's going to hydrate me and it's not going to get me drunk. So uh, that's a win win as well. Um, I also just made sure because I am in recovery, I had a few uh, recovery people with me. 
Uh, so a lot of my friends here in Nanaimo and Vancouver Island are from the recovery community. And so those people uh, came, you know, not all of them, mind you, but uh, some of them came with me to the event. So uh, there was a bunch, uh, a bunch of us in the in the bar together and having those positive uh, people around me who don't uh, who don't drink. Uh, were a good good enough reminder of, as to why why I'm not drinking, right? Yeah, so. that's great to have a sober crew around you. I think if you can get your sort of sober bubble, whatever people call it, you know, to have those connections, even if it's all just uh, people that you're meeting and talking to on Instagram or whatever, I've definitely found that a really lovely, encouraging aspect of uh, of being online in that sober community. What about sp- alcohol sponsorship? Anyone got any feelings on being part of events? Janet, have you had any any of that sort of question? Music being used for alcohol adverts or anything? Uh, honestly, I don't really mind. Like, if I got a phone call tomorrow from Smirnoff being like, here, can we use your song? I'd be like, yeah, alcohol owes me a paycheck, to be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the amount of Good time to you took away from me, yeah, I, 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 you owe me. <laughs> yeah. Like, but I think just, um on a general note like my drinking was done in my bedroom on my own I was a bedroom bar soul drinker so for me I'm very lucky like uh, social environments gigs venues festivals weren't my drinking place so I I don't really get um triggered by it quite frankly I wish my fans drank more at shows so that I could make the bar you know look good (laughs) (laughs) they could get their money and want to hire me again but it's fine I respect that my fans don't drink and I, I live for that um but yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah so you do you have a kind of like what's your alternative uh now janet for drinking would you do you like alcohol free beers or what do you like no as someone in recovery i actively avoid anything that appears like alcohol i don't do want to romanticize booze in my head because it's very different as an alcoholic like i don't drink alcohol free champagne i don't drink alcohol free uh anything um yeah. and i think it was because i remember somebody in early doors to recovery going but why do you want the alcohol-free beer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, because I want to <laughs> feel involved and I feel like I need it to be here and be a part of the conversation. <laughs> Dan, I feel like you're picking on me now because I really love alcohol-free no, drinks. No, there's <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, there's two sides to this. There's two sides to this this coin, definitely. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely an alcohol-free alternative drinker. Oh, so I'll cute. have an alcohol-free beer. So I'm with you, Sharon. Totally. Okay. I live for saying. it. I wish totally I could. Saying, yeah. <laughs> it's... It's hard, isn't it? Because I think if you have a beer and it's, you know, it's alcohol free, then yes, are you programming your brain to say Mm. this is a good thing? And actually yeah. what you're always trying to say is actually, no, that's not something I need. It's, I think yeah. it comes down to where, where you've come from. If you've come yeah. from that place that Janet yeah. and Chris have talked about, or if it's more sort of, let's see what happens, you know, it's different for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And do you know, the funniest thing is I never drank beer before being sober. I hated it. <laughs> Me too. And I've been known to art for a alcohol-free beer with lemonade. So basically an alcohol-free shandy. I love, I love those. <laughs> I've got no shame. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? I would never have had that before, but I've also no. done that, Sharon. Have you? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> um, somebody's saying a really good comment here. Uh, part of the problem um, is that society promotes alcohol as, an, as a, an important part of having a good time. Advertising alcohol with good times. All you have to look, do is look at every city and town at closing time. 
which is a good point, isn't it? That actually the good time we think that we're all having often just ends up, you know, not Messy. so good, right? Messy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but we are, this is kind of my, why I call my thing the alcohol spell because it feels like you're under that spell. We're all kind of under the, the illusion that alcohol is serving us somehow. So, yeah, so, I had this. Sorry, go ahead, Ilton. You go ahead. Uh, that, thanks, Sharon. So, uh, yeah, what they don't promote is the car accident, uh, the mm-hmm. domestic violence that can come from it, uh, the fights in bars between dudes who are peacocking against one another. Um, they don't show all the bad sides of it. So uh, they don't yeah. show the guy who uh, can't keep it together and loses his job and thus loses his family as a result of his drinking. So um, I'm, I agree with Janet. I don't think that uh, everybody should have to quit drinking because there's only a you know certain percentage of the population that has the, uh, the same issues that I myself might have um, with, you know, getting into automobile wrecks and things like that um, as a result of my, my alcoholism. Um, but uh, it doesn't show that side of it where um, there's a stat that reads that um, alcohol in North America is, uh, is a factor in like something like 80% of violent crimes. That's not the exact stat, mind you, yeah. but something ridiculous like that. Uh, you know what I mean? So you're not going to see a Smirnoff uh, uh, advertisement or whatever alcohol company it might be um, that lists that statistic at the end. They're just going to show you that um, you go to the nightclub, you drink Smirnoff, and then you have these crazy adventures, and then you wake up and life is great. Um, I mean, of course, they're not going to show that yeah. other side of it, but um, there is a darker side side to it. And like I said, I don't. Um, when I when I sobered up, I didn't expect everybody else to get sober on my behalf too. Um, but it would be nice if there was some more awareness surrounding that uh, that uh, darker side of it. Mm. Yeah, Katash, what what's what your thoughts? I mean, on, I think uh, sorry, just to interject. Yeah, I was gonna say that you don't see that side of it because it doesn't make as much profit, doesn't it? Like if someone passes, no mm-hmm. one, no one really cares. I guess the alcohol company still got their their money, their credits and stuff. But I wanted to touch on, I can't remember who had said it, but um, when you enter an environment and people are kind of forcing you to drink, it does become sort of annoying because you don't force non-alcoholicism on anyone. You don't go up to someone and be like, oh, you're drinking a gin and tonic? Hmm, must be nice. Like you don't do that. But then if, if, they, if they offer you a drink and you politely decline, they're like, what's wrong with you? Why are you not drinking? Yeah, it's almost totally. like a, they make you feel ashamed. So, and it's like, yeah. you, you, you really don't, have a long conversation arguing with someone who's probably on the tipping scale you know people get a lot more generous when they are becoming now <laughs> a bit drunk yeah. it's a, basically what you're saying is it's a one-way thing right. you know if, if you give up alcohol then you know you're not judging everyone else necessarily I think that's really important that no absolutely that. not yeah absolutely yeah I so, think like so, we connect by our differences so yeah everybody yeah. could do their own thing and we could all get along and have a great night yeah, exactly. That's it. So look, we've we've kind of like coming to the end of our session. And just to kind of like round it off, I think what we've established is that alcohol and creativity are not really the best of mates. And in actual fact, I think from what everyone said, you're much better doing what you do creative wise without any alcohol and that you'll have more time. Uh, you've got more space in your brain to come up with the ideas and that also your creativity can be a channel for your emotions and feelings that you will get back in touch with once you quit alcohol, right? I think everyone's really sort of said that. Mm -hmm. So 
Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. It's been brilliant. I hope everyone who's been watching has got something out of it. Thanks for all the comments. I'm sorry we couldn't read them all. But thank you to Iltone, Janet Devlin, Katash and Sharon for for joining us. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to sign off now. They'll probably just cut us off. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks, guys. Nice to meet you. Bye. Bye. podcast is brought to you by club soda you can find out more about what we do on joinclubsoda.com and on our social handles at join club soda